call this meeting to order for the Parks and Rec Commission on Wednesday, April 13th. Um, for, I guess, the, we'll move to item number two. So approval of November 10 uh, minutes. So moved. Second. Second. Awesome. Thank you very much. All in favor? Thanks. Okay, I wanted to give you a couple announcements tonight before we really get moving down through the meeting. First of all, the HVAC over this room died yesterday, today. Um, so we have a request for emergency repairs. It is not repaired tonight. So the good news is it should be quieter. The bad news is it might get warm and we'll open the windows, but when we do that, then it's hard to hear. So we'll go back and forth. Just speak up if you're uncomfortable one way or another on that. Um, secondly, tonight the main topic is the aquatic facilities and programs discussion. Um, there has been some um, questions from the public throughout the day today and yesterday. A lot of people wondering if we were talking specifically about City Park Pool and the future of City Park Pool. That is a, a small portion towards the end of the discussion tonight, but that is definitely not the big issue that this group is going to be talking about tonight. That also leads to the public discussion tonight. Members of the public, you're welcome in the next item to speak on anything not related to aquatics. Um, because what will happen is since that's on the agenda, when we move to that item, we will have the staff report first with questions can come through from the commission throughout that report. And then at the end of that report, there'll be a time for the public to make comments or questions after that. So does that make sense to everyone? Okay. Thank you so much. So we'll move to item number three. So are there any items for public discussion that are not included on the agenda? All right. Move on to item number four. Have the update from the aquatic facility program. So we'll have Brad Barker and Kate Cannell come up and they are going to walk you through a presentation um, based on the questions and some of the concerns that were made at last month's commission meeting. Kate's going to take you through kind of the basics 101 of everything about our aquatics operation with some fun facts and figures and that sort of thing. And then we'll move on to some of the facility discussion in more of a broader context of the three pools, not just uh, City Park Pool. So tonight your goal is to learn, ask any questions that you may have so we know if there's other things we need to cover or haven't covered very well. Um, and express any opinions you have on it. It's not really a recommendation at the end of the night, but more a, a direction of here's, here's what else we need to know on that sort of thing. On the facilities type of thing, we would like to know if you think we're on the right track moving towards the next phase of the master plan. We aren't there yet, but we're inching closer. So we'll want a general sense of, yeah, that sounds good, or big red flags, that sort of thing. Okay, I'm going to move out of the way. And by the way, I'm taking notes tonight, too, so wish me luck. We <laughs> are professional. We did not your professional. Okay, well, hi, everybody. I'm Kate. Um, as Julie mentioned, I'm excited to be here and talk to you about aquatics. So I'll leave up our discussion um, through kind of the overview. So I'll be talking through the facilities and budget, the scheduling and staffing, programming and outreach, and then Brad at the end will talk about future outlook and how that relates to some of the things we've talked throughout. So to kick things off, our facilities um, are three uh, pools that we have in town here. One of them is downstairs, so Robert E. Lee is our uh, warmer water pool that we program with a variety of activities. Uh, all of our 
great and what other offerings they have. Um, here in particular, we run our swim lesson program. So we have night lessons and weekend lessons here. Those um, traditionally used to also be at Mercer, but we've moved them here to fill up some of the space uh, that was less busy with uh, other activities and also because warmer water tends to be more productive for learning and the public is pretty vocal about warmer water being desirable, which we all understand that. Um, we've also added in some other stuff downstairs to help uh, reduce barrier to participation for open swim opportunities during the intervals. So on Friday and Sunday, we offer a reduced um, swim time. And then we also recently added in, or we've had them pre-COVID, but they've recently come back, um, some Saturday rentals as well. For the other few um, uh, things on here I'm going to go over, and I'll talk more details about our stuff here in the next couple slides, but just an overview here. Um, over at Mercer, so Mercer is a 50-meter long course pool. It's really set up in that way. It's generally set up as two 25-yard uh, lap pools, and then there's a shallow end that is accessible through a ramp. Uh, that's all one body of water, so it is convertible to a 50-meter lap pool. It's one of the only ones of, it, of its kind in the state of Iowa. Um, it is uh, 30-plus years old, so it is uh, different than having many pools now. But generally speaking, that pool is designed to be um, used for fitness swimming, lap swimming. Uh, it is cooler water. It is the home uh, for uh, Iowa City Community School District swim teams. We also have Ice Swimming over there, which is an affiliate swim club um, nonprofit that's been around for 50-plus years that uh, calls that pool home. And um, we also do quite a bit of uh, nonprofit uh, passive programming there. We're not really participating in offering programming, programming for them, but nonprofits in the area use that space during the day and in early afternoon times to bring in participants in their programs and offer some um, fitness and some recreational time during the day out there. Uh, it's also our hub for offering certification courses. So Iowa City is really special in the sense that we're able to be a leader in the community uh, certification programs for a lot of the other communities in the eastern part of Iowa. Uh, we offer a lot of water um, certifications that employ people throughout this part of the state. For us, we do about a dozen of those classes a year in a variety of different layers. So there's the baseline courses that we offer, but also instructor courses, and there's a pretty high volume of those as well. Uh, and then swim meets, we have mentioned we have swim teams, so that is a function over there, and then we have camp views over there as well. So camps are really any group that comes that uh, is an organized group of some kind. It might be a daycare, it might be a nonprofit group, it might be a summer camp or a spring break camp, something like that. Um, and then city park pool, so everybody already knows uh, city park pool needs no introduction, but we um, have open swim and lap swim and water fitness classes over there, of course, and then we also have um, some use over there for ice. We have morning and evening swimming lessons, camp use, special events, um, and then we also do weekend rentals, which are uh, newer. They were new pre-COVID, and then we offer five uh, evening opportunities for half-price admission for, again, lower barrier um, entry there for the price point. I have a question, is that yeah. section? Yeah. Can you explain the open swim, water fitness classes, private swim, how that's maybe changed in the last couple of months? Sure. Um, I actually think... Is that coming up? Um, yes, it's in a couple slides. So I'll, I'll finish up here and then we'll kind of move that direction. Um, so I did want to, we'll, we'll touch on staff in a little more detail, but I did want to give kind of a landscape of what it looks like to make all this happen. So um, our passive time, so when we're just offering open swim or lap swim, which we've reworked 
the description of that to make it more clear for the public that the pool is really open all the time for you to come in and bring in um, young people to play, to recreate, and then also to lap swim. So um, baseline, our passive offerings are when we're just open for open swim, we need between two and three staff at RAL, three to five at Mercer, and then three to 10 at City. And then from there, we adjust based on what's happening in the pool with all the variety of things, if it's a swimming, if it's programming, um, and so on. Uh, so to touch on the budget here, uh, big picture-wise, the aquatics budget makes up our 35% of the entire recreation budget. So when we look to that, we can kind of see what the, the landscape looks like of participation. These numbers here are um, COVID numbers because they are 2022 and 2021 numbers, but they start to give a little bit of a picture about um, how much programming is really happening in the scope of aquatics um, and recreation. So about 47% of Participants in fall were taking part in aquatics programming out of 100% of rec programming, and then 35 in spring, and then 66 in last summer. Uh, last summer obviously was a really modified scheduling time for us and programming time for us, but overall, that's the trend there. Um, a huge impact on our budget is our staffing, so overwhelmingly, that's a huge portion of that. We staff 150 people seasonally, so when we have that build up in the summer, um, our staff balloons to accommodate those. Uh, additional offerings that we have, and then also to staff City Park Pool. And then on the rest of the year, which uh, people think of aquatics as the summer, but uh, it's all year round for us, that's 70 to 85 people. And we're still in a building um, phase of that post-COVID, so we're starting to get back to where we were pre-COVID um, with numbers, uh, but we're still, we're still kind of making up for that gap time that we had when we didn't have people applying for a year and a half and didn't have classes and things like that. Uh, so just some snapshots here of uh, what the budget looks like. So the Robert E. Lee and Mercer budgets are 12 month budgets. We're open all year round. So operationally, uh, we're spending $12,000 about per month to operate at RAL and 19 at Mercer Park Aquatic Center. City Park Pool is different. It's a three month, three month budget because it's a seasonal pool. So when you break that down, we spend um, $53,000 per month to operate City Park Pool. So that is what the numbers look like. And, and those are 2019 numbers. I pulled those from before COVID because that, that's very skewed the last two years. Those were the budget from 2019. Okay, so some stuff about scheduling and staffing. So we want to give some perspective about some of the changes and also um, some of the things that are part of making this all happen. Um, recently, when we, so Robert A. Lee was closed the longest for the COVID shutdown. It reopened in the fall. So we kept it closed throughout the summer. We um, opened it back up in the fall and there was modified hours that we had when we reopened. We use data from pre-COVID um, admissions and we are able to track that through ActiveNet, which is our scheduling software and also our payment processor to figure out what trends were across 2019. And we pulled it for Robert A. Lee and for Mercer because we, we had some anecdotal ideas about what the um, what the attendance looked like and what we could expect to kind of see from that. But we were a little surprised with some of the things, so it was good to have those pinpoints. Uh, with that data, we looked at what the company's times were and worked to figure out how we could be maximizing our ability to serve as many populations as possible. And so when we went to reduce hours, we used that data and also the lack of, um, I guess, diversity of time during the day because folks are limited to be able to come to the pool in between the peak hours of pre-work, middle of the day. Um, and that's where that came from for those adjustments. For us, when we're looking for diversity of users, we're really asking ourselves um, across the spectrum when we're looking holistically at aquatics, we're thinking, 
who has access to the pools. We're looking at things like bus schedules, uh, traditional work schedules, school schedules, and really looking big picture to see what's gonna be able to be the most uh, popular times for the most amount of people. Uh, we also um, made the conscious decision at that point to continue to work on our swim lessons and our outreach focus at Robert E. Lee. I'll talk about that here in a few minutes. Uh, City Park Pool has had some expansion of hours, and I should say Robert E. Lee had expansion of hours in the fall too. We reopened, we did reduce hours during um, low peak daytime, but we did add in three hours of weekend time, which to us was uh, important to have continued option and a few different options during the weekend for folks to come in when generally people are recreating more from our data. Um, so we've added some hours at City that um, are more, um, again, friendly to more groups of folks and our summer schedule will reflect that as well. There'll be some adjustments in our weekend open swim hours to be earlier in the day instead of later. And again, that's reflective of more folks being at the pool. Uh, and then just a couple of things here too. We've worked really intentionally to streamline hours. So one of the things that um, is, is complicated for everybody, myself included, uh, is when we, were, when we were in the thick of COVID, we were operating on a daily schedule and the daily schedule was changing it. So people weren't getting to know the kind of rhythm of what the schedule looked like. And our initial response was that we wanted to be filling the pool when we didn't have other things going on. And so that was contributing to like one week we would have it open, one week we wouldn't. So we really intentionally made semester-wide schedules that stay consistent. And the goal here is to be educating the public about what the hours are, what we're doing, and really ingrain that in um, the way that we're marketing and we're communicating about what it is. We've also streamlined lap swim and open swim to make them um, be the same thing. So instead of just looking at a schedule and it seeming like lap swim is what we're catering to the most, it really is both of those things. Uh, we've had a good increase since we've done that during the day with people coming to open swim, especially at Mercer. So we've seen young kids at Mercer, which traditionally wasn't the case. It was lap swim until four o'clock. And so that was really limiting people who have different schedules now, potentially because of COVID or kids aren't in school yet and they're participating in recreation. And then we've also done a big push to streamline and make our marketing more um, more streamlined and accessible. So one of the things um, that you'll see is a printout of the schedule that's consistent with that semester schedule. Um, some improvements to the website to keep that um, ADA accessible, but still accessible on the user side as well. So staffing needs. So you kind of already got in this picture. A big part of what we do is obviously facilities. So there's maintenance, all those pieces. Um, there's programming, which we'll get into, which has a lot of function as well. But obviously with 150 people, a huge part of my job and the recreation assistant is staffing and staff management. So just a little view here, um, half of our part-time staff during the school year or the indoor season is made of aquatic staff. And that goes up to three-fourths of the rec staff that is part-time with our department in the summer months on the recreation side. We have seven different positions in aquatics, so people generally think lifeguards, but we have water fitness instructors, swim instructors, we have an um, aquatic maintenance uh, custodian position at City, and we also have aquatics customer service at City, which is something that's been added in the last couple of years. Uh, we have full weekend trainings for our positions. Um, there's mandated practice and um, times that need to be on the record for us to be up to code uh, with pool code, which could be another entire presentation I'll spare you all on. Um, and then also just some things about um, trends. So our shift averages do, do go from two to 10. And it's important for us to be able to stay nimble with those numbers because we wanna be mindful of how 
having the appropriate amount of staff for the appropriate activity. And so that does adjust and it ebbs and flows depending on what we have. Um, when we have programming, then it will go up based on what that looks like. And then it stays lean where it needs to um, during the day mostly so that we're able to um, keep that kind of flow and also fully staffed. Uh, we are noticing trends post-COVID, so our staff is getting younger, which is not a bad thing. Uh, one of the best parts about our agency as it relates to aquatics is so many people that grew up here, took lessons here, um, have been to these schools, they know them, and they work here. Uh, there's people in this room that kids work here right now, as my friends were have in the past. So it's really good to see that. It's a really important part of our mission, and it's great to have that uh, be the case and for them to be proud to work here and be a part of the community in this way. We um, are also finding that daytime availability with the younger staff is getting harder and harder for us to fill. So daytime shifts are still a problem. Um, we're working on that, kind of working on some different solutions. Um, and then lastly, the training experience, it continues to look different with COVID. We're doing different things to try to stay um, reactionary to what's going on with that, uh, but it's definitely something that we're always being mindful of. Uh, so our mission um, as it relates to part of RAC, but also to aquatics is that every child in Iowa City learns how to swim. So that's manifested through a few different things, um, but big picture-wise, these are our three hubs of uh, programs if we're not including um, some other instructional stuff and special events. So water fitness is one big um, area that we have that we've had for a long time. We've had water fitness classes as long as we've had some lesson classes. Um, and we have changed the format of how we do that to make it more uh, organized and to create some momentum that follows how we do other types of instructor-led programming throughout the department. Um, so just a quick snapshot here, we offer about six to 12 weekly classes for water fitness. Um, Pre-COVID, that number was a lot higher, but our attendance for those classes was a lot lower. So our average user in those classes is averaging higher, um, and we're offering classes at times that are, we're affirming that they work through our new registration process, which is encouraging. We have new users, instructors, and classes with this way of operating, and it just makes it a lot more, um, a lot more streamlined, a lot more uh, user-friendly in a lot of ways, and is um, helping folks get into the program and also allowing it to grow in those areas. Okay, so swimming lessons. Um, this is these both of these numbers are swimming or summer um, offerings. So for swimming lessons, we'll be offering this coming summer. Registration is uh, next week. Yeah, 180 some lesson classes, and that's going to allow us to serve 728 people. Um, generally, on average, we're averaging between five and 800 people um, serve for each of those sessions, and we do numerous sessions. We struggle, and we did before the pandemic, to meet the demand of what Fitztown needs for swimming lessons, and that's been the case um, even before we had that gap in instruction. Uh, but now we're, I mean, that's just, that's what we're seeing even more and more is the case. So we're struggling to be able to offer uh, as much as needed, and that's due to uh, sizing in the evening of what the pool can accommodate. Um, at times that has been a staffing restraint or it's been a limitation that we've had due to the pandemic itself causing um, you know, difficulty in running bigger classes or a lot of classes at once. Uh, our, we do offer private lessons, but overwhelmingly our focus is on group lessons, and that's because those are uh, based in more of the community recreation approach, and they're the best thing for our buck, if you will. If we have one instructor that can reach four or five people, then that's gonna be a better return on that investment of goal of every child learning how to swim. Uh, this doesn't include any of our outreach lessons, which I'll get to in a moment. This is just our organized sessions of lessons that you can see in our program guide that come out three times a year. And then Open Swim. So Open Swim is arguably our biggest program. It's not really a program, but it is the way that people interact with our pool or only the most. Um, and these are just the hours that we offer per week. 
at each of the pools. So uh, 38.5, that's the current schedule that we have for Robert Lee, and then about three times that over, or not quite three times, two and some change over at Mercer, and then 46.25 hours over at City. So that gives you an idea of what the public has access to in regards to open swim. And then just some photos, because summer photos make us feel good when it's <laughs> snowing outside. Um, okay, so outreach. So uh, outreach is a big part of what uh, it means to have every child learning how to swim in Iowa City. So we know there's some organic barriers that exist. We know that there's a lot of people that have been in our programs for many, many years. Uh, there's a lot of people that haven't yet participated in our programs. So Recassist is, um, is the evolution of our uh, Learn Swim Scholarship Program, which over the years has raised um, tens of thousands of dollars to help support this goal that we have. Uh, most of that money is spent subsidizing some lessons that are run in our sessions. So there are lessons that are offered to the public that people apply for through Rec Assist, that they need uh, financial assistance because of financial barriers. We reach out to them, they get enrolled, and um, these are what the snapshots look like for summer and then for fall, how, much, uh, how many lessons we subsidize for both of those. Uh, I'm still working on spring numbers, um, and then obviously some we haven't done registration for yet. But this is, um, this is I can't over-express uh, how much momentum and growth that we've had in this area. We had a lot pre-COVID, and then that all came to a halt, but we've done a lot um, to really get out word about the program, and I'll tell you a little bit about that too. Um, so after-school lessons is our way to outreach to nonprofits. So we partner with nonprofits each semester. We offer after-school um, lessons that are tied into whatever existing program they already have. So we've worked with a few different agencies. Our main partner right now is Neighborhood Centers of Johnson County. We've served um, every facet of that organization for locations except for Hills. Um, and it's really uh, a rewarding opportunity for us to build in those lessons. So they come over after school. Sometimes we pay for transportation, sometimes they have it. But we provide instruction um, and some supplemental understanding about aquatics that will help them um, as it relates to water safety. And then we also generally do provide kind of a bit of incidental support financially as well, bathing suits, um, uh, swim caps, goggles, towels, things like that that help reduce the barrier again. Um, it's important to note part of our outreach is also adaptive uh, lessons, so we've added those in 2019. Obviously that was right before COVID, but uh, the demand there is also uh, very, very high, and um, we keep the price for those low, and we can offer um, 100 times more, and they would fill. Uh, so events are on the right-hand side. So we do, do quite a bit of events. A lot of the events that we do are designed to be outreach events. So they're designed to focus on how to get people back into the funnel for rec assist or back into programming. Um, we do community outreach. We have some uh, just fun stuff that's out at City, like music. Um, so introduction is a big event that we uh, we debuted last year with Rikishia Harrington, who is our outreach um, and special populations program supervisor to get people to come to the pool, participate, and that's why that number of 108 was so high for fall. That was a huge, huge event for us to be able to get people signed up for the scholarship that night. Uh, it was free admissions to the pool, and um, it was a big deal. There were people there that had never been to any of our pools before, so it's really exciting. Uh, teen nights, Pride at the Pool, we debuted last year and actually won a national award for it, which was really fun. Um, and then some other outreach stuff that helps us with staffing. So ICLG, Junior Life Party, these are all things that we're being intentional about now more than ever because staffing is an ongoing concern. 
So kind of creating some long-term um, funnels there. Slash story time, sunrise to sunset, sensory swims with Iowa City Autism Group is a really um, a popular and a very uh, well-received program that we do with them. And then some of the stuff on the bottom of the list is just the fun recreation stuff, like pumpkin floats and egg floats and all the floats of kind of stuff like that. Um, so I'm nearing the end here, and this is a lot of talking, which is perfect for me, but probably long for you. Uh, so just some assets and opportunities here. So we wanted to break down kind of what we what we see, what we hear, um, what we kind of look at when we look at these three facilities. So we um, want this to start to be kind of a conversation of some of the things that will come across a portion of this presentation here. But some of the things that are considered assets by us in the community are the warmer water temperature here at Robert A. Lee. Uh, this is also a space for overflow events and lessons. You can see that we're doing a lot of stuff here because it's warmer water and also because the space is here for us to do that. Uh, there's an enclosed kid area, which we hear a lot of positive things about. And uh, there's also a really fantastic remodel, a remodel on deck bathroom if you haven't had a chance to see that. It's really great to have an accessible space that is also um, gender non-conforming and accessible for people. And that's a real win that we have in our location downstairs. Uh, some things that are um, opportunities for improvement potentially are barriers to parking downtown, which you all are familiar with, um, plugging those meters. Uh, the frequent need of repair there. So the, the Robert E. Lee um, pool, Brad will go into how old it is, um, but it was built in the 60s. So we um, are needing to do things that are sometimes emergency-based or are um, planned repairs. And there's a lot of um, fluctuation there with things like temperature and um, the ability to, to keep it open and operational longer term like would, would be available in a new pool. And then accessibility issues. So uh, there are things that we have downstairs that make the pool more accessible. We do have a, um, a chairlift, which is per code. Um, and then we also have uh, stairs at each of our facilities that are kind of the in-between between a chair and a ladder that you pull yourself up at. There isn't a zero depth entry area though, so there's still barrier for folks to get in and out. Um, and it certainly can be um, difficult to get in and out of that pool, even with those two things to accommodate um, mobility issues and assist with that. So Mercer Park Aquatic Center, um, competitive over there is that it's, uh, it's designed for competitive fitness swimming. So if you ask a fitness swimmer, if you ask a fitness swimmer and um, a leader swimmer the same question about the pool, you're gonna get very different answers about if it's too cold or if it's too hot. It's gonna be the opposite and it's gonna be based on where they are. Uh, people like the temperature over there that are fitness swimming and competitive swimming. In fact, uh, most of them could bear it to be colder than it is and it's at 81 degrees. Uh, there is ample parking over there, which we love. I love the offices over there, and I certainly benefit from that. Uh, it's a centralized location where people actually live. So the people that are we're serving generally live more proximity to that location. Um, and that's also true for nonprofits that we work with trying to get to and from those areas. Their schools are more centralized to Mercer. Uh, it's versatile. So there's a lot of things going on over there that let us be able to do a lot of different things. The temperature does keep us from doing some of that stuff, as does some of the structure of how the pool is made up. But there is options for us over there. Um, and there's quite a big footprint over there. So the things we can do on the deck over there vary greatly to what we can do downstairs with the footprint of the deck and the size. There's a hot tub, which is spa over there, which is um, massively popular. The community loves that hot tub. They love that spa. Uh, there's also on-deck bathrooms over there that are accessible. There's two options. There's increased accessibility, so there's a ramp over there. Um, the ramp goes into the shallow water, which is generally what you're going to see for safety issues, but that does increase people's ability to get into the shallow space. There's also those stairs and that chairlift. Uh, there's diving boards that people really love, and then there's also a solarium for people to sit. 
Uh, a lot of people like to come and sit in that solarium area, and some people even do sit outside, so there is an increased um, kind of uh, resort vibe over there sometimes, people <laughs> sitting in the chairs and setting themselves. Um, I'm, not sure I'm sure some of you have seen it. Um, and then a couple of things, uh, oh, I should add, there's also an outdoor um, wading pool over there um, that's outdoors and it is fenced in. So there's also, and I'm not, I wouldn't say that's a pro or a con. I'm going to just but say, it really yeah, it there. exists, yeah. but we really haven't done a lot of it. And then some um, opportunities potentially are uh, things that, are, that can be limiting for some folks are that the temperature is cool and uh, it, clo it closes periodically. So it's a, it, it is the only of its kind that can do things like swim meets um, and bigger events like that and certain kinds of trainings. We can't do the kind of trainings that we need to for our operations, for staffing, and for the community over here, unfortunately. Um, City Park Pool, and then we'll kind of wrap up with my section here. Uh, the biggest asset is that it's an outdoor pool. It's our only one. It's um, our only outdoor pool in the in the city compared to other two indoor options. Uh, there's fence in zero depth, leading pool, diving boards are a pro. It's the only high dive in the area. It's a big draw um, and, a, and a piece of nostalgia that's really fun. Uh, there's a huge footprint there. So the, the volume of water there is um, three quarters of a million gallons out there. It is in an enormous pool. Uh, the downside is that it's not heated. So there's no heater out there. It's pretty standard that pools that are outside have heaters now. They didn't in um, 49, 48, whichever, I think it's 49. Um, there's aging infrastructure over there. So we'll get into some of the specifics of what that looks like. Uh, there's limited parking there. So when that pool opened, it was not, it was not that size. Um, and so there is limited parking there, and that does um, restrict how many folks can be there. Uh, there's um, a need for a high volume of staff, so the pure size of that pool requires us to have staffing numbers that are going to be bigger than what it would be if it was if it was uh, constructed in different different ways that were mindful of the need for staffing and supervision. Um, the locker rooms and bathrooms are not accessible, and they are. Um, you know, they're, they're aging along with the facility for sure. And then there's not a lot of shade in water or on the deck, and we hear about that all the time. Uh, people want shade, and um, that's a big thing that we are missing there because of how it's set up. Okay, so I'm gonna transition here. So we had planned to stop for questions, but to me it kind of feels like this, this is kind of the people side of the operations, the people, the programs, the staffing part of operations. So perhaps you want to stop and see if the commission has any questions up to this point that we can have Katie us through. Yeah, right, right, right here. Brian, were you raising your hand for a question? I was taking a few notes. Um, and I guess, um, there's like pretty substantial difference between the budgets of the different pools. I don't know if you're going to get into that at any point. Why? Why is that? I mean, because if you think like, or at least in my mind, I was thinking Robert A. Lee and Mercer, similar kind of offerings. Um, sorry, yeah. but I noticed like. I can I can answer that. Too. Okay. Part of it is how the maintenance staff is budgeted. So we have the two full-time pool maintenance people come out of the Mercer budget. But it also has more staff, more programs, much more water area in the pool as far as chemicals and that sort of thing. So it's a bigger facility, um, but part of it is also because of the, the aquatics uh, maintenance staff is out of that budget. Yeah. Um, could we discuss briefly, I, I you, you touched on the lessons issue. Um, I've had, it's kind of a timely discussion because I've had at least two different um, public um, 
people um, approach me and email me about uh, the difficulties of them being private citizens trying to um, do lessons at our pools and being told that they could not um, do private lessons. They could not. Oh, so they can't teach them. They can't do teach lessons at our pool. But my question is, is this is a public facility. How can we not tell somebody that they can't do what they want to do at a public facility? Right? Because they really shouldn't be using the public facility to make private money. That's, that's the issue with having people charge their own um, for their own private lessons and teach private tennis lessons, swim lessons. It's a public supported facility, so we want it to be access and open to all for, for the programs sponsored by our department. So I guess I, I just feel like there's like a, if, if we can't meet the demand of, the public's demand of the swim lessons, which I know we can't because I've also had a ton of people say like, I can't even get my kid in a lesson. But then we're also telling people who themselves can then offer additional lessons, then we're actually not fulfilling the, we want every kid in Iowa City to swim. So that to me just feels like it's a little incongruent what we say that we're trying to do. So I just feel like we're missing something there. Like then we need to, I know we're trying to hire more people and I know like there's a barrier to that, but I just feel like we're missing the boat somehow here when we're then telling people who can offer the service that we're saying we're trying to provide and we're telling them they can't. Sure. So I just feel like there's a couple different things something there. First of all is that, that our focus really is on, on the group lessons and getting the most teaching we can out of each staff person that we use. The other part of having people come in during open swim hours and, and teach their own private lessons is that the other person comes for lap swim and they say, how come the pool is being taken up for a private business instead of public use? So I think that's the bigger, when we look at equity, we really want the focus to be on our group lessons and the bigger picture of that rather than a few individuals uh, having private lessons. It is not, as I said, it's not just swimming, it's, it's anything in our parks, unless they're a contract instructor. I just feel like if it's, yeah. if it's a public pool, I don't feel like we can tell someone what they can and can't do in the public space. We can. We can. We do the same thing with private personal trainers on trails, taking up trail space away from public use. Tennis lessons is one we've, we've worked with in the past. Anytime that there's a public facility, it's our role to ensure that it's, its primary use is for public open use. Or we find ways to do partnerships with them as well. Yeah. So we, we have a group that we work with um, to, to teach lessons out of the swimming pool. Yeah. Um, and, and that allows us to be able to expand our reach, but there's some quality control with that as well. So it's we have some, so we have some, yeah. It's that they're using a public facility for their own private business gain, and that, that can be from it. I was, you kind of addressed my, I was wondering if there's a, a mechanism for people to somehow like register with the city to where there's some level of like, well, how much are you charging? What's your experience? And like, how many people are you serving? We, we have some of that, but once again, our primary focus is the group lessons and the programs through, through the aquatics division. I mean, we have full-time people that do this for a living and we want to make sure that that's what they're here for, is to make sure the facilities are used to the highest level 
and used for the public good more than individual. We don't and that's fine, but if we are not doing it to the level that is required to serve the level that is required to fulfill the needs of the community, then then we are not doing it to the level necessary, and that's the problem. So. If there will always be people that want private swim lessons, I don't know that that will ever be our, our top goal, just because the, the numbers just don't work out. We can't offer private swim lessons to every individual in, in the community. So I think it's kind of two separate. There's learning to swim and there's private swim lessons. And our focus is definitely on the learn to swim side as group lessons. So I get it. I, I, but, I, I guess but, we're just kind of agree to disagree. Yes. I, I fundamentally don't feel like that is that's the case. I mean, I just feel like there has to be like a way, like, like it's like saying that like as a taxpayer, I paid taxes for like the track at City Park. I mean, the track at like City High, but I can't go and have my personal trainer come out there and like help me train better for a marathon and be like, why not? Like, I pay my taxes for me to run on the track at. City High, like, it's not your business if I'm running on the track at City High as long as it's like, I'm not destroying the park at City High. I mean, I, I don't know, I mean, I just, I don't know, I just disagree with that, but. Yeah, but I think if I was running like a club track program that was taking away from City, would they let me use the track there? Well, no, I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm not saying like, it's reasonable for me to be like when the swim team's there that I need to be like in the middle of their swim team practice. I mean, I think there can be like a reasonable like compromise like when it could be used. I think is reasonable. I mean, I don't think it's reasonable to say like someone could use it at any time. But I mean, I think there could be like times when it could be open to use for people. I mean. Remember, I'm trying to take notes, but. <laughs> I mean, I, I just feel like it is a public facility, right? It is paid for us by all of us. So I don't see a reason someone could not use it in that way when there is a demand for it that we as a institution or as a public um, city institution are not fulfilling the need, right? If, if we were able to fulfill the need, then I'd be like, well, you know, fine, but we are at this point, so I just feel like we're not meeting the needs, so therefore, I feel like a private enterprise could, should be able to step in and fulfill a need that's not being met. When our stated goal as the city is, every kid needs to learn to swim, and when I'm having people emailing me like, my kid isn't being able to learn to swim because I can't get my kid in a lesson because they're already filled, why aren't these private people allowed to come in and do that? Then that feels like there's it, a problem. It would, be, it would be difficult to have the type of pool space you're talking about, too, though, as we just went through our schedules. The times that we have open are, are during the daytime when the kids are in school. So I think that you would, that's our concern. We don't want to take away the open swim or the other programs, the other uses of the pool for private individuals. Yeah. So but I think this is maybe more of like a summer issue. And but is there, there, there's also, oh, I was just going to say as a hypothetical, if we did have some private instructors come in, what are their obligations to accept whatever students want to be, want to get that learning? I guess 
due to private instruction, instructors have the same sort of obligation to accept anybody who comes? Are, there, are they picking and choosing specific people? I guess in the interest of having the yeah. pool be accessible to the entire community, I feel more comfortable with the city running that rather than just letting people, members we, of the general public. We do public also side. entertain, sorry to interrupt you, let me catch you out there. Um, we do entertain requests for partnerships as well. So like Mandy Cowell is the city high coach for the district and we work with her to offer things that complement what we offer that are community based in between ICE, which is our affiliate program for swimming and then our swim lessons. So we just, we, we try to find the optimal spot. Um, this has always been an issue. This is, I mean, I am a parent of a five-year-old who doesn't know how to swim, and this is my, like, this is my thing, right? Um, that is COVID. So, like, there also is, like, this huge bubble right now of people that have children in my shoes, exactly. And then there's, everywhere else has staffing problems, and so no one else can meet the demand either. And so we're also getting a lot of people from other places that might go otherwise. Um, the other thing is, like, it's hard for us to, it's hard for staff to be able to, discern different things that go on and there is liability that's involved there that uh, more than more than in with tennis or with a trail of yeah, water. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I'm just opening up the conversation to make sure that we're serving what we're saying and making sure we're thinking through like if we truly want every kid to learn to swim how are we making sure we're serving that is I'm not just trying to open up the conversation I guess I would I would just add that there are opportunities for people to get private lessons through private pools. Like I know my daughter teaches private lessons based at the North Dodge, I think. And so, like, I mean, I think there yeah. there is that opportunity there. Yeah. Um, I mean, we we do it at the Elks Club. Like I'm. And then Elks Club. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there is certainly. I'm just saying, you know, this is a private. I mean, we This is a public pool and. One thing that we're trying this year, this summer registration period is going to be the first time that we're actually trying this. I don't know, it's maybe been tried years and years ago, but we always hear about people from Iowa City not being able to get into the lessons, but then we have people from Coralville, North Liberty, and other locations that are in our programs because they're quick on the registration. So what we're trying this year is we're actually having our first day is dedicated to Iowa City residents. Yeah. So that's that's ultimately our goal is to teach all Iowa City kids how to swim. We'd love to teach the world to swim. Right. But we got to start in our own community yeah. and that's and, and as yeah. tax funded facilities that we have here, that should be the priority. And so we're at least giving them the opportunity and they'll still probably fill up really quickly and we'll still have people that aren't being able to get into swim lessons. But at least we're we're trying to accommodate Iowa City residents first and foremost so that yeah. we're not hearing quite as much from that from the yeah. people that live here. Mm -hmm. I mean, my kids are all like total swimmers, so I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah and just remember that the capacity of swim lessons has to do with pool space. It has to do with times we can offer it, because yeah. as I said, we probably could offer it at two in the afternoon, but there's really no kids to take lessons then. Yeah. And then staffing. So there's yeah. all three of those figure into that. Yeah, I, and this might be my ignorance because I didn't, grow up here, my son didn't grow up here, but do none of the public schools have pools where they teach them to swim? No, not any longer. Are you serious? Correct. No. No public no That doesn't public make sense. Okay, I know that's not a commission issue, that just doesn't make sense to me. I started in sixth grade so, learning to swim. Yeah. April, uh, so Mercer Pool is actually built in, in uh, cooperation with the school district at a time when they did offer swim lessons. 
um, through middle school, and yeah. so Southeast Junior High would swim there, Northwest Junior High would swim at the Corville facility. It's probably been 10 years, maybe, that they, longer than that. Yeah, somewhere along the line, they, they stopped they wouldn't, uh, doing that, so the school district stopped. The pools are still there, but they no longer offer them. So, I mean, yeah. And I don't know anymore. Teach them how to swim. Can I interrupt one more red before you go? <laughs> that are favorable to the entire community. 
So it, it really is kind of a balancing act for that. We're going to have to consider a lot of different factors, especially as we look to potentially replace or renovate some of the facilities that we have. And so first and foremost, looking at the general community recreation needs. So this is going to be your lap swimmers, your people coming in for open swim, um, people that are using it more on a casual basis. Um, then you also, we, we serve a lot of specific user groups as well, so we got to uh, think about their needs. So instruction, talking about the swim lessons, uh, the, um, we, we definitely have a lot of demand and not necessarily the supply to always meet that, and so we always have to have that as forefront of our mind with how do we, how do we continue to move towards that direction. We have competitive swimming, so ICE, um, our Iowa City Eels uh, swim, swim club that we are uh, affiliated with. In the, in the Iowa City community, and then the um, Iowa City High School swim team also utilizes our Mercer Park Aquatic Center as well. And then therapy and wellness, so thinking about our aquatics programs that are based towards the fitness and wellness side of things. So our um, aqua fitness programs, uh, we've introduced some, um, some stand-up paddleboard classes and always trying to kind of think about what's, what's some of the trends that we can move in that direction as well. Um, inclusivity is always a big thing that we want to be thinking about as we design our facilities. Uh, accessibility, keeping that in mind as well. Um, staffing efficiency, so thinking about how do we staff our facilities, and that's a, very much a changing thing. I think COVID has shown us that we might be moving towards a time when that's not the same as it used to be. Uh, a few years ago, the city of Iowa City was made the initiative to go towards the $15 an hour, and we're thinking, this is going to be great. We're going to be paying $15 an hour. Most other places were paying, you know, $10 an hour at that time. And so we thought, you know, people were going to be clamoring here. And then COVID hit. And so by the time we got to $15, you know, Target's up at like $18 an hour. There's all these other options that people have. And so we have to be mindful of, of how we staff the facility, our access to staff. Um, when you think about each facility, even if we're open and we have one person in the water or, or even nobody in the water, we still have to have at least a minimum of two people that are going to be there staffed at that facility. And so we have to think about um, are we staffing our facilities in the best way that we can. Um, operational efficiency, thinking about what, what, are, what are we doing as far as electric use, um, chemicals, water use, Thinking about all those different factors on top of that. Um, location, is the locations that we have meeting the needs of the community, is it, is it accessible to people? Are people able to actually reach our recreational facilities? Um, I would also add environmental onto this list as well. Thinking about, especially as we look to renovate facilities, how can we be more friendly to the earth and sustainable with our operations? Um, and I would also say parking is always a consideration that we should have on that as well. Right, before you continue, so member of the public, you have to leave in a few minutes. I want to make sure yeah, you get a chance to. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. My name is Mary Russell Kerman, and I am a member of the Outsize group. And I know that there are a lot of people who really treasure the chance to get the warm water exercise. Um, people who are older, people who have arthritis, etc. And I and I. Um, I understand that they that the, the sharing sharing the pool works really well for this little class that we have. Really, there there this more um, the, uh, there were let's see, 13 people in the class, and it can it can vary, you know. But but uh, but 
the, but the warm water issue is really an issue for older people. And, and certainly there are so many older people who live downtown now that, you know, that I, I think uh, it's, it's just important to, to recognize that if, if, if the pool works well enough to continue, it's a huge benefit. So, and I, and I, I think that um, the, the retired people I know <laughs> are, are, are very eager to continue that. And so I, I wanted to just mention that. Um, and then also, the, because the retired people are very conscious that people who are not retired are coming in to swim laps early, they don't even come to do that. They're making it free, you know, freeing up those lap swims for the people who are trying to swim early. But then, then there's not, there's not very, we can't do lap swims after the aqua size class. It's all over from seven, after, at seven, no, it's at seven, it's then at nine, I think. And, and there's no continuation possibility for people. So that's a limitation that um, I think hinders some of the usage, you know. That's, I mean, I, I know you all have staffing issues. And, however, um, I understand from some of the uh, friends who've been in this class for a long time that that meant a number of the guards would be very happy for additional hours if they could if they could do if they could get them. So that's what I understood. Um, and so that was what I just wanted to bring up, mostly the lap swims and the keeping the warm water <laughs> facility because it's it's and, and from my point of view I haven't I've lived in I was city only for four years but it, I know it seems like there are lots of maintenance issues and things like that but it seems like a great pool to me <laughs> so so uh, it would be I, I think and I think that the vibrance of downtown also is, is just a, the, the accessibility for something like that downtown for regular citizens, you know, who, uh, who are not in clubs or, or are affiliated with the university is, is a, a huge benefit. So I just wanted to say that that's how it seems to me and to mention that we appreciate the chance to do it and hope that we can continue with the, with the, the warm water exercise classes. So. Thank you so very much. Okay. Very much appreciate the time coming in and bring those items to our attention. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. I probably will leave because I otherwise I would still have afternoon. So I appreciate it. Would you agree to stay or do you want to Just maybe a couple comments. Thank you. Yeah. I, I yeah. could, you know, agree 300% with what you just said. For those of us who are being older, the warm water is such a gift. And could we get your name? Sorry. Oh, Mark Cannon. Mark Cannon. And I think for the last year, I'm not sure who's in charge of this, but it's been pretty consistent. For at least five years, it was not. And I can't tell you how many times I came to this pool, got in, got out, because my body would just contract up. I did, you know. Mark, and are you talking about this pool or Yes. yes. Okay. If I had kept data, I would, I would bet you my right arm that in a five-year period, I lost seven months of swimming. So that was a no money, but just the idea of getting down here, getting in the water, getting out was just too cold. It would be 78 degrees, and for most of us, I, I wouldn't even argue for younger people, it wouldn't be pleasant. So that's one thing. And then the, the only other thing I, I hope to keep on people's mind, and it was on, yeah, I think, one of your um, things there. You talked about a, a negative thing about this pool would be parking. And when I talk to people, and of course I'm typically talking to people my age, not always, 
Um, and I see, and I, if I do go to Mercer and see old people I've known, I say, hey, where have you been? Well, we don't swim downtown anymore. Why is that? Well, for a while it was because the water was too cold, but that's been great for a year. And they say, I don't want to be parking. So I am not a technological wizard by any stretch of imagination, but it, it shocks me that there wouldn't be some technological ability to build in some kind of parking for people that come here. Now, I realize you don't give us free parking you know, 24 hours a day. That, that doesn't make sense. But it does seem like, you know, people who understand technology and, and you know, there's, I can now pay with, uh, what's it called, the parking thing Yeah. yeah. So it just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just seems like there has to be a way to address this. And I obviously understand that's coordinating between recreation and parking, and I know how bureaucracies <laughs> don't talk to each other. I get all that. But at any rate, I do think that's a big turn. Um, but otherwise, I will I will pat the, the whole staff on the back. I think you're doing an excellent job. And the thing that I really think you need to take uh, great pride in is your outreach to marginalized people in this town. I went on the website, per one of your lifeguards, when I was complaining, she said, oh, Mark, look on the website. And I saw that you're even providing a swimming suit for kids who don't have them. So, you know, huge thumbs, thumbs up. I do have issues, I have complaints, but there's your <laughs> Great, thank you so much, Mark. <laughs> All right, so, um, so looking back at our facilities here, let's, uh, let's break them down by the oldest facility first. So we've got the city park pool. And please keep in mind, I think Julie mentioned this at the top, that everything that we're talking about here, this is all kind of conceptual, just we got it, we have to start the discussion somewhere, and we're basing this, a lot of this discussion based on the recreation master plan that we have in process right now and the feedback that we've been receiving from the community. Um, so let's kind of look at the basics with the condition of the pool. So we had our uh, engineering firm, one of the engineering firms that we're working with on this master plan project come in. Um, and, and actually between, there was, a, there was a couple that actually collaborated on, one was on the bathhouse and one was on the pool structure. Um, but looking at the pool, it's actually 73 years old. That's, that's <laughs> not that old. They're fired. Um, so the pool currently loses 30,000 gallons of water per day per day, and that's, a, that's an awful amount to, to be losing. And to top that, we, we, we don't even necessarily know where that's at. I think it's a lot of concrete structural issues, a lot of piping that so is in that, in that concrete. It's, it's, in a, it's in a variety of different So I, I did read in the minutes from last month saying, I hope that's your first priority is to fix the leaks. We've been trying every year for the six years I've been here to fix the leaks. Because that's chlorinated water. That's well, it is more just the age of the pool shell and the age of that facility, the pipes, everything else associated with it. We do paint, we do caulk, we do everything we can every year to make it a watertight basin, but we fail. So I think that says that this facility is, it's just getting to the age where it, it doesn't make sense to try to keep patching this. So what you're saying is like the physical pool cannot be repaired, essentially. Our consultants have said that it's possible to put a liner in, but you're only buying yourself five years probably if you do that, and it's quite an expense to do something like that. So I think the ultimate answer is 
you're looking at one of the oldest pools in Iowa and the shell itself, whether you build it back exactly the same way or differently, it needs to be a new actual shell. So you're really talking like dig it out and start it. Because okay. yeah. the pipes and the things underneath it are very questionable. And, and even if you were to put a liner in, all the, all the pipes that get the water to the pool Still from the pool, yeah. yeah, who knows what kind of condition they're in. I mean, yeah. the pool is just declaring made to last that long. And so that, that and we also have our balance tank, that, that also has an unknown cost to it. Um, the concrete, the piping, all of that stuff has an unknown cost. So it was very challenging for the engineers to be able to say, hey, if you pay this amount of dollars, you'll, be, you'll basically have a brand new pool. And just with this, the age of the pool, causes a lot of issues of being able to make an accurate assessment as far as what that pool would cost. But if you start looking at the concrete, the structural piping part of that, it would be very, very expensive. And then do you also, think, I mean, if you're just digging it out, I heard you also knocking down the bathroom and you already laid out some of the issues with the bathrooms. Or the yeah, bathrooms. how much do you take out? Did you, you just start out. over, basically? Yeah, do you yeah. literally raise yeah. the whole structure? Yeah, so we'll, we'll kind of get to that. Okay. But. I think really the, the, question, the question we're going to get to is not whether or not we rebuild and stupid rebuild to look very similar to what we have now or do we rebuild to something new. I think. Yeah, everything's coming back pretty close to one way or the other. We have such a need for updated restrooms, locker rooms. That you could end up with a pool house that looks very similar architecturally and very keeps the if it, if it's the if it's the feel and the look of the current pool that you want. That's possible. I'm just saying that it's probably not possible with the structures that are yeah, there right yeah. at this moment. Yeah. So yeah. You get the same feel, the integrity but integrity of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, so looking at uh, the community engagement that we did, we we ended up reaching 1,200 people. Uh, we had 1,200 responses to the variety of different methods that we utilized for um, gathering input from the community. So we had our statistically valid survey, our public survey, pop-up events, focus groups, and social pinpoint. I'm not going to belabor the point too much because you guys all sat through my presentation <laughs> last time talking about all that. Um, but but really, that that first two columns or the first two rows is what you're really looking at in terms of the, the responses that we got back from the public. So looking for a similar similar layout, look, amenities. So basically, it's really a, a facility that looks very similar to what we have right now with those same types of amenities. That's your response rate with people that selected that option. If you go down one row, you're looking at the different layout, look, amenities. And there were some other questions that really started to kind of pick apart a little bit about what those things were that people wanted to see, but people were wanting to see different. And that's really what our results were, were showing. And that's really overwhelming. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well over yeah. yeah. And so and so I think I think the community is looking for a refresh. I think in how we do that, and that's going to be kind of our next our next uh, point of discussion here. But. Um, but I, but I think it's pretty clear from the community that that's the direction that they want us to go is to look at what other types of amenities that can we add. So some of the themes that we're getting from that is 50 meter lap lane is a huge thing for people still. So I think that that's something that the community is still really wanting as part of the pool. Lots of shade. Uh, we've heard that a lot. And that's a health concern also, too, yeah. as far as like yeah. 
a lot of open recreational swimming area. I think that that's what people really enjoy about the current pool that set up that we have, and so they would want to see something similar to that. Um, deck chairs add zero depth in, you know, and so yeah, yeah, increases accessibility, inclusivity that way. Family friendly amenities, green space inside the fencing. People kind of like having that park experience when they're out at the swimming pool as well, being able to go and, and get some sun. Uh, just take a, take a break from the concrete yes. on their feet. Yes, um, a heated pool, so that's something that we currently don't have, but that's something that people would like to see. Um, maintaining the low-key atmosphere, so when you go out there, you're in that park environment out there with all the trees that you have. People are really wanting to keep that. Um, we did get people saying that they'd like to see a lazy river there. Um, people were very concerned about the removal of trees, so they were wanting to really see the footprint of the facility stay the same. And then uh, no big water park. And so there were some people that were wanting a big water park too, but we, we definitely got the feeling from reading through the responses that I think for the most part, people were wanting to see some more family-friendly additions to, some more amenities to a, a swimming pool, but not necessarily having the big Twisty water park. Slide. Yeah, and you know, and parking would be an issue for that anyways. We, we, without digging into the park more to create more parking space, that would definitely be a concern if we made this big attraction. Park. Yeah, that people are driving from outside the community to see. Well, and plus, people have can go to Coralville or Florida. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So there's a little bit of a little bit of everything for everybody. So, um, so this is this is an initial list of amenities. So we so kind of going back to the first point, we were working with. Uh, one of our engineering architecture firms to draw up a, a rendering. And so it's you know it's gonna be a little bit more upscale for rendering with these different amenities included in that. And this is really kind of our starting point to test the waters uh, <laughs> with uh, the community and see what they what they think about. Say here's the design, this is the feedback that we got. What do you think about this? And then we will allow the public to be able to weigh in on that and start to make those tweaks here and there um, so that it then hopefully feels right for, for most. What's it's, not gonna, it's not gonna feel right for everybody, we know that, but. What's the timing expected? Um, I, I don't know what his time frame is for getting that rendering to us, but. It should be in the next month, I would think, so oh. it's coming soon. Yeah. So I noticed you say no concessions, so there's no no way to purchase food or drinks there. So we would likely do vending machines and, and or a pad for a food truck or something to pull in because he has a need for it, but I don't see us getting into the concessions business. Remind me what we have at City Park that's been a while since I've been busy. Uh, one snack machine, two drink machines, which that'll be okay. different this summer because we got an amazing replaced water bottle fill, which has been an ask for a long yeah. time. So, we're excited about so that's what we have next. Yeah, okay, and it seems to work. And, okay. and we really didn't get a lot of feedback from the community saying, you've got to go to the concession route. Okay, so we could potentially, like you said, with the food truck access, you could invite some yep. having some rotation food. Okay, yep. that's neat. And we have really lax rules around bringing, I mean, you can't bring in glass, you can't bring in alcohol, but right. people could bring people in, bring in yes, all the time, all the time. Okay, so that's, that's great. great. Currently what it is, and okay, yeah. so that's Part of that laid back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 There you go. Uh, yeah. This is going to be super like unpopular to even just ask this question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ask 
asking it because I think this is what we should do. Just out of curiosity, as you did your research, were you, did you get any feedback of people saying, don't replace it, just get rid of the pool, city park pool, and, and, and you know, save money and whatever? We you know? really did. We got a lot of people that wanted to just, from their perspective, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But it is broke. But it is broke. It's very, really it's very broke. Okay. Behind the scenes, it looks, you know, and that's, 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 that's a testament to our, right, that's a testament to our maintenance staff. It's looking nice. Hiding in behind the scenes. Right. I have a question I was asked to the steering committee after seeing all the input. Right, it didn't even come up in open okay. comments that, I'm, that I remember of any, if there may have been one or two, but I don't remember it being a, a large push on any. Yeah, and I and I think then to tie back into the teaching every child to learn how to swim um, by not uh, most most people were very much in favor of that and finding ways to, to be able to get youth access to water by eliminating that pool that would be completely antithetical to that. So yeah. that's just had yeah. to ask. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. So these are some of the some of the amenities that we'd be looking to to add. Um, are you all able to read that? Okay. Do I need to, to go through that, to go through that list? Okay, let's just explain the three lap lane vibe. Um, three lap lanes because we have heard loud and clear from recreational lap swimmers that the 50 meter is, is very much an outdoor amenity that they use and like. Not the current eight. So it wouldn't be sized for a swim meet and it wouldn't be sized for competition as far as being deep enough to dive into those lap lanes. It would be sized to have lap lanes available most of the time. You could have a small swim practice there in the morning. They couldn't dive in, but they could certainly swim the 50 meters outside. And there are adult lap swimmers. That's what it's sized for. Uh, but also would be a great depth, make it a depth that is also appropriate for water walking or aqua fitness, some of those kind of things too, when it's not being used for lap swimming. But, thought is and that also reduces our water capacity. So part of the part of it not being heated right now is the vast amount of gallons of water. So if we can go from eight 50 meter lap lanes to shallower three 50 meter lap lanes and then a zero depth, some other water around it, you can bring the gallons of water down and it could make heating a possibility of I'm presuming that means you're getting rid of the high dive. Don't know yet because that's kind of popular. I, I really, I feel like that's a piece of nostalgia that I'd love to see. Yeah. So this, when they say that they're three and a half feet, that would be most of the way they would probably go down into a diving well. So you would have times during the day where you would have the diving boards open and not the 50 meter yeah. laps when during yeah. The diving well is very Iowa City. Any other, any others that you see on there that you want to ask questions about? Yeah. This is just kind of a devil's advocate type thing, but yeah. we should have two lazy rivers, one for the adults. This is no lazy river. <laughs> Lazy rivers require tons of staff as well, blind spots. 
and it's also um, it's a, a huge footprint. Yeah. I mean, it's really like to have an appropriate size, a lazy river that's not like right. this is like a circle. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right. If you're going to keep the same footprint that we have out there, or something similar, there would have to be other things that would that would have to go. And I, I just don't think that we've gotten quite the public input. Like, if it was 100% saying lazy river, then then we probably have to yeah. consider something. But um, but yeah, I think there's all these other features that people are wanting to see that I would think would maybe take priority there. Well, some of it's glary, so I can't read all of it. So, what about? I mean, because something like the spa is so popular, what about something like that here? I mean, it is so popular, but it is so cold at first. Like, I never go there to swim. Yeah. Because it is so cold. Yeah. Which means I never use the spa over there. I didn't even know we had some outdoor thing out over there. I didn't we, know that existed. I don't think we got any feedback really asking for that. And yeah. if, if there was, it was it was minimal. Yeah. Um, and probably what that would end up being is kids' soup. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I know they are going to have to speak. <laughs> <laughs> they can't be crazy. I'll just go to the Highlander and go to the so, um, so moving on to the Robert A. Lee pool. This uh, pool is 58 years old. So the, um, they did an estimate on the cost of that, and they, they tiered it in three different levels, but to, to kind of bring that up to speed, it would be 4.7 million is what we'd be looking at. There were no unknowns, unlike City Park Pool. They were able to, to put a, a dollar cost on pretty much all the different things that were deficient, but 4.7 million is what we'd be looking at. Essentially, for the same pool, it would just have a lot of things that were that were fixed. They wouldn't necessarily be an improvement from aesthetically, but functionality. It would it'd be the same pool, but 4.7 million later. And that is not generally due to lack of maintenance or operating it inefficiently or whatever. That's just it's 58 years old, and yeah. maybe it's a it's a lack of replacement along the way. But we're at that point where a lot of what you're hearing about it closing for certain periods of time and, and being you know, unpredictable has to do with the age. So keep that 4.7 million in mind. Now, how long would it take, like how long would it be on the commission if we did those repairs? Because obviously people use it and value it, yeah. but to make those repairs, it's yeah, it I would say six months, but that's just a total guesstimate. Yeah. And is there a way to tier different repairs or is it like out of commission for like it, it has to do with the pool shell, the uh, piping underneath, and all of the equipment that sits below us right now. Okay. So then moving over to the Mercer pool. So this is the newest of the, of the three pools. And the total cost estimate to fix improvement areas of deficiency there is $3.3 million. Um, and again, no unknown costs in that estimate. Um, however, and this is, this is where we want to start the conversation and, and jogging your mind towards potential options in the future. So thinking about the cost of Robert A. Lee pool and being rather deficient in a, in a lot of areas. And Mercer Park pool is as well. So I would mention though that a lot of that 3.3 million is the roof. Um, so in this case, it would not quite have to establish and what it wouldn't have to be closed or it would have to be closed? No, but I'm just saying that that 3.3 million isn't the pool or the pool equipment necessarily. A good portion is the, the roof that needs to happen over the top of it, which needs to happen no matter what. So okay. it's it's kind of it's not like you can't do that and still have the building open or something. Yeah. So yeah, it wouldn't be a pool closure per se. But yeah. 
So the roofing full replacement there is 2.5 million. Because okay. it has 2.3. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so the idea that we want to kind of get you thinking about is with Robert A. Lee's school being so deficient and so old, and, and our, our use is not as high over here, but we, it, it's kind of like our overflow pool for a variety of different things. We utilize it as a pool for lessons. Um, we utilize it as a pool for some of our different events because then we don't have to necessarily take away space from Mercer, where we tend to see more attendance and it has more different groups that are using it. Is we do have the potential to be able to expand the footprint of the current pool area that we have out there right now to potentially add a, um, a heated therapy lap pool where we can utilize that for a variety of different functions throughout the year, including the aqua fitness programs that we have. Um, and and, 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 so and uh, swim lessons would be another thing that we That's really the question. Do, you, do we reinvest in this pool or do you take that, do you recommend taking, and it's not an answer for tonight, but it's more to think about. Do we take that money and invest in a second warm water pool at Mercer, which would replicate the warm water part of this pool and be built to a depth that is appropriate for aqua fitness and swimming lessons, which is two of our major programs we're trying to accommodate. Uh, free parking, it, it just would not be the downtown location. And we understand that's a big question for people. Um, yeah. And I, and I don't really want. I don't think you need to go into what would happen to this space yet. That's kind of a secondary, secondary question. I wouldn't like, worry about to that. build new. What are you talking like? Ten million? Or I mean, maybe have to build because it's it's an addition there. Right. So it's not a. We don't have that number yet. That's kind of the key yep. number, but it's not going to be. But it's four point. What was it? Four point four to even repair this. What was it? Four point four point seven. So, yeah, so if we didn't even repair this, that's a number we wouldn't well, I, I guess, So how much does the senior center, how much of the use comes from like the senior center or are they driving here? Like people who, you, I mean, we have a few senior citizens from the audience who came to speak, are they? We definitely have some very passionate users here. I would think we actually have more seniors using Mercer. But they drive here in the park. Because they, they can park closer there, uh, so. And there's also parking here. Yeah, just free parking there. And there's, the accessibility at Mercer is, uh, it's a, it can be understated that ramp really does help a lot of people get into that pool. Um, and so they go there, uh, reluctantly because of the temperature. I know Tessa said, before my back surgery, I, I used that place a lot. I what? really enjoyed that. And, and I mean, the water aerobics with the, the seniors and everything. I mean, if that was taken away, that would be a huge, huge uh, deficit here. Remind me, is there were there plans for ex another rec center on the west side? Was there something that they were so to bring? There has been uh, talk from time to time about a rec center on the far west side. As um, development increases, yeah. wasn't it? Um, and there are some development plans that show west of 218 and, and show a joint space for some kind of school facility and possibly rec center. At this point, it doesn't look like that would be necessarily big enough for swimming pool. I don't know that for a fact, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would let that weigh too much in on, it's probably far enough down the line. 
this past um, 10 years. Yeah, and the, the Rec Master Plan is kind of looking at there be satellite programming spaces throughout the community. So could there be a programming room built along with the city park pool so that you can have kind of the next step up from a shelter, a nice indoor community space that could be programmed or could be different things at the pool. Is there space for one in the South District? So we're looking at some of that with that, but pools probably not. So the question is, do we keep the two indoor pools or do we look at possibly expanding and and there's enough space for the expansion of Mercer with the expansion of Southeast? Yes. Okay, so they're both, yeah. okay, because we'll Southeast is gonna be expanding quite a bit. Yeah, we're aware of Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> I just wanna make sure, because Southeast yeah. is growing too, yeah. so. Uh, yeah. We think there's room there to expand the pool with a warm water pool and potentially add a third gym if we needed to. Okay, so and then is that taking out the, like, is it tennis courts or pickleball, or and is that taking out a bunch of parking? I'm just trying to get a conception of what that would look like if we uh, did that. Don't have the answer to all of that. Not <laughs> uh, parking. We are well over parked there. Yeah, there's a lot of except for maybe on the biggest of soft baseball tournament days. Yeah, but yeah, we are yeah. well over parked. There's nothing saying that the old pool building would stay because that could give us more space out, you know, by the parking lot, there's that old brick building. Yeah, what is that? It was a pool house. There used to be a pool oh, and oh, pool. There was an outdoor pool. Oh, yeah. I guess um, I didn't even know what that was. Okay. Yes, yeah, sure. there, was, oh. <laughs> there are some, some fairly major concerns with the foundations under pickleball and tennis right now, so okay. you might see a reorganization of the baseball oh, fields and, and yeah. all of that anyway, so I don't know that that okay. would be a, a prime. Okay, but there's some thought that there's enough space over there for everybody. We haven't done the official footprints on any of that yet, but yeah, we didn't go down that road and we didn't think there was okay. some potential yeah. for that. I need to step away. Yeah. yeah thanks. Yeah, great discussion. Thank you. So that that really is is my part of the presentation is to kind of give you some different facts and figures with what we're looking at in terms of the cost of fixing our facilities up and what direction we could potentially be moving towards um, with all of those facilities as well. So really just initially just kind of trying to spur some ideas with you and kind of be thinking about what that might look like for us moving forward given the community feedback that we've gotten through our master plan study. Great, thank you so very much. I know a lot of this was in response to previous meetings so thank you so much to the staff for putting this together and going over it definitely will be helpful. As we can kind of the feature. Yes. Cool. So circle back, sorry. Yeah, yeah. One previous, the last um, meeting last month, some of the um, public attendees had some ideas about um, like signage or wayfinding or being greeted by staff when they come in. And that seemed like kind of low hanging fruit, like the, these lessons are here in this corner with just a plain old whiteboard. Or, some really basic things that they thought could improve the experience. I didn't know if that was an action that was taken, if that's something that's already. Yeah, so um, we do have some signs that we have that are more like sandwich board signs that we have. Um, we do the master plan, some of the feedback that we get, we've gotten has been about the pool schedule and some different suggestions there. So there's always room, and the, school, the pool schedule is an evolution always. Um, but I also uh, checked in with all of our water fitness instructors, and uh, none of them deemed it an issue. Uh, except one of them had uh, some suggestions over at Mercer that we addressed, and she's uh, her class is actually the one 
uh, that's in the morning during a lot of like water walkers, and so that was one that we addressed and we talked through using the, the signboard and stuff like that. So okay. um, yeah, and then with the customer shows, I don't know if you want to speak to that or yeah. And so we do train our customer service staff to greet people when they come through the door. So I, I don't know if that was an individual instance where that where that occurred, where the individual wasn't happy with that, or if it's an individual where that's there when they usually come into the facility. Because our staff usually has the same shifts. So if they come Monday, Wednesday, Friday, they're going to see the same person. So you know, if if I had additional information on that, I'd be able to address that individually with the with the employee. But I, I'd say generally our staff is very friendly and outgoing and warm to people when they come in. Uh, right now, we're on item number five. Good discussion. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Reports. I will try to keep this fairly brief for you. Uh, budget house update we are waiting for some direction from council as to setting up the, the work group or committee between the Parks Commission and, and Historic Preservation. So it's not forgotten, but I don't have anything to report on that. Um, we do have two new hires coming on board, full time hires. I can't tell you who they are <laughs> because they've asked, they haven't quite given their notice, but um, Tammy's position will be filled um, a week from next Monday, she'll start. And then the special events position, I think, is Mar May 8th, 9th. May 9th, May 9th will start. So, Brad, especially, I'm sure, is very excited. He's been doing the lion's share of catch up and follow up on a lot of things that those two positions had been doing, and, and so. Yay, we've got new people coming on. <laughs> uh, we had our project kickoff meetings this morning for the summer park project. So just to remind you that Whispering Meadows is getting um, pathway and playground. Chatting Green is getting uh, restrooms, uh, upgrades to the gardens and a playground. And then Fort Hill is getting a new shelter and playground. So those kicked off today. That's the good news. The bad news is, is that playground manufacturing is delayed like everything else. Um, so yeah, we're, we're kind of all over the board. Tyler, I don't remember the actual dates. We think we have all the pieces to Glendale's, which was the last year's we were still waiting on. Um, so um, we think we have all the pieces to that. So we're getting close. Um, that shelter for that project that sounded like the contractor, same contractor for those two projects. Um, it should be here next week, they're being told, but um, <laughs> we'll see. they've been pushed back quite a few times. Um, and then the other ones range from, we ordered them, I don't know, they've been ordered three, four weeks now. Um, and the shortest amount of time was 14 to 16 weeks. So oh, my God. The so longest was like, November. What about the library? Those so had all one by hearing end of July for oh, the so probably installed in August if okay. we're That's not bad. So it's good we got a good contractor on board and we're getting going, but expect some delays in all of those. Yes. Yes. Um, we have a flyer in front of you. Uh, this is I'm super excited about this event. May twenty first. Uh, at the new public works facility, it's a city services open house, but the fun part is you can see all the big trucks, people, families can get in them, they're going to nice. disable the horns, so you can <laughs> sorry. They can disable them. Yeah, they don't have to, like, yeah, I was used to. But it's a free event, um, we don't have anything happening at the softball diamonds that day, so there's lots of parking, it'll include animal care center, it'll include the fire training tower, we have a stage with entertainment going all day. We have food trucks, 
and we have over 300 beautiful quilts. So nice. It is an art in unexpected places on top of everything else. Nice. So, um, please take, and there's more flyers over there. If you have places you can post these for me, churches, businesses, yep. other places, <laughs> please. Did do you that. make it a Facebook event? It is. Okay. Um, okay. It is. Okay. It's, I don't know if it's on the city Facebook or Parks and Rec, but it is an event. Okay. Share it. Um, you may get an email next week or the week after asking if you'd like to volunteer for a few hours. Helios <laughs> <laughs> actually have um, bookmarks that oh, they're yeah. out so the event too. Yeah, because there's promotion oh, happening. This is the city side of the promotion. The Old Capital Quilt Guild is in charge of all the quilts going up. Um, and they're doing promotion throughout the region to all the quilt shops and, mm -hmm. and tourist great. places. So should be a huge and fun event and the weather's gonna cooperate. The end of the night will be an outdoor movie, Field of Dreams, uh, oh, South yeah. Building. Oh, so seven or the movie will be at whenever the sun goes down. But please, please, please help us with that. Um, and just my last quick note, I did see a note in the minutes, a question about the rec center parking lot and if anything was happening about that. Um, it was in the minutes, and I don't know if it was in regards to the paying for parking or improvements. We are scheduled to get a resurface and some improvements on that parking lot sometime during this construction year. Um, that is actually why the creek over here was cleared, because they were doing some water quality erosion type things down on the banks of that creek as well. So if you walk out now and look at it and go, oh, this looks really bad, it does. And it's, it's scheduled to be repaired. So that's all for my report. Thank you so much, Julie. Right? Yes. Additional? Yes. I'll keep it short as well. But, um, on March 18th and 19th, we had our Things That Go event here. It was a two day event. Um, we had Duplo, Brio, Lego, Hot Wheels, trains, RC vehicles, all kinds of other things that were zooming around all over this place. Um, we had a great attendance for it. People seem to have a lot of fun. I know sometimes you get out to those yeah. events. Did you get out here? Not to this one. Not so to this one. Okay. But, uh, so, you're, you're, so you're planning to go to the uh, Yahoo, it's the insect zoo. Yes. Steve that one. On oh, yeah. Sunday, April 24th. I'm going to Teen Swim. What's that? I'm going to Teen Swim. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's <laughs>
As, as far as the farmer's market goes, um, I've not really used it, but I know people that have. Are you going to be able to actually go and shop this year? Yes. Yes. Okay, okay. so it's not them packaging it up. Correct. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Yep. And then um, summer registration starts for us on um, Tuesday, uh, April 19th is the Iowa City Day, and then, uh, two, then Wednesday the 20th is everybody. So we'll see how that goes out this year. This is a this is a new thing for us, but in an effort to really try to serve Iowa City residents first and foremost, we thought that that was an important direction for us. No, I think that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. And that's all that I have. Great. Thanks so much, Brad. Uh, tree planting. So our first tree planting will be Saturday. Um, we're um, happy to partner with Rotary again. Um, it's the second part of their um, planting that uh, they had uh, got an internal rotary grant from. Um, so it was a big help. They raised funds to um, help plant these trees. We'll be planting 100 trees over at Scott Park and some even in Rita's uh, ranch dog park there. Um, so we're preparing for that. The trees have arrived. It's always fun to get the first plants of the season. So What time um, is that at? That is at 9. So they've reached out to their, it's all the area of Rotary Clubs. So yeah, I they always, <laughs> they always bring the Rotary planters are the best tree planters. Yeah, we're both in that Rotary, so yeah. That's why I'm saying yep. they're the best. <laughs> yep, and I know tomorrow, um, Josh World is our assistant superintendent, is actually going and talking to the noon uh, Rotary Oh, club. well, there you um, so go. Because on May 7th, we have another tree planting. That one is at 9 o'clock. Okay. Um, this one will be at Thornberry Dog Park. So if anyone knows of volunteers, send them, send them out there that day. Um, we just received this week word that we got a $5,000 grant from the, the DNR through a U.S. Forest Service program um, to pay for half of that tree planting project. So. Those will be slightly larger trees that, when they're planted in, will be 41 um, that will go in there. Um, so those will all be within the fence at, uh, at Thornberry. We, we get a lot of requests for extra shade in there. Um, there were no trees when it was established, um, so um, trying to get that next generation of trees growing in there. We also have a memorial um, fund that has been started by the family of Ray Beamer, who was a recreation person at the University. Um, his family, a lot of their his memorial money is going towards these trees as well. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Is there a way to utilize those individuals that have dogs uh, reach out through kind of to see if they'd be willing to volunteer? So I think people yep. that use that part to see if there's a sign there. So I like, think there's signs up there already, oh, um, okay. I believe. And uh, Jeff Sears with the Recreation Division has the database of. Great. Too, they wanted to, wanted to assist, so that would be good. Um, 
Let's see, and then one last tree planting thing on Arbor Day, we're doing a couple of things where we'll be at Willowwind. Um, they always invite us there and plant one tree, um, talk to the kids there. Um, and then we're doing a planting of uh, approximately 15 trees at Glendale Park with uh, um, the Community Inclusion Club at City High. And also getting those students out there for the afternoon to plant. So a couple of events for the, the 29th is Arbor Day this year. Um, in May 29th? No, this month. April. 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 Yep, always the last Friday in April. Okay. Yep. Um, restrooms and water, we're getting those up and running um, for the season, working through some bugs with, uh, you know, the startup things, whether it's the, the locks or uh, um, toilets and, and all of those things. So we're, we're getting those going um, as we can and getting those open. Um, We've done two days. We've been able to get in some prescribed burns on, on prairie areas. So we've done 30 acres approximately in total. 25 of those were on Monday. We, we put in a, a, about a 12-hour day of, of getting stuff burnt that day. So um, we've burned out uh, Kicker Soccer, Interior uh, Tula Recreation Area, and Waterworks Prairie Park. And hopefully Friday, maybe, <laughs> we'll be doing some more. It's all very weather dependent. So. That's been good. Um, athletic fields uh, up and running, uh, stuff going pretty much everywhere. Um, so that's good to see those fields up and, and running again. Um, we've got 10 staff uh, started as well, and um, most of those have started with athletic fields. They're the first ones to come on. We're bringing on others as we go. Um, and we've been really fortunate this year. We're right on pace with hiring as, as last year. Um, with a lot of good ambassadors, uh, like Kate was mentioning before, get their friends. Um, they enjoy working for us to get their friends to come work for us. We've got a great partnership with Kirkwood. We've had three staff members go up there and talk to classes recently. It really gets the word out there. Um, we've been able to um, really uh, weather the hiring storm so far. Um, it is a challenge. Um, a lot of our athletic field staff are younger as well. They're, they're trending younger and younger. We're able to employ um, uh, 16 year olds there um, if they're not driving uh, uh, city trucks and things like that so that helps us out quite a bit but um, we've got 50 some hired and just a couple more places we could fill but, but we'll make it work if we don't so that's uh, most of it <laughs> appreciate it Tyler. Yep. so i don't have anything from chair's report so we can go around with the parts commission members here and see if there's any other items for discussion or future agenda items. Maybe we can start with April if you have any. Mm -hmm. okay. One thing I guess I did have for a possible future agenda was just curious about kind of the trail systems throughout uh, the community and helping build the connectivity um, was one that I thought we'd like to learn more about, especially as the community continues to grow, how are we can stand on top of that. That was one yep. thing to think about. Uh, but really appreciate all that staff's doing, so thank you so very much. Uh, so we love the parks, are super grateful for all the work uh, that happens, and we know so much more goes on behind the scenes uh, by your teams and staff. So just want to say thank you for all that you do. It's exciting this spring is here. Yes. <laughs> so I guess if we learn, so I can just adjourn, or do you want me to? Oh, yeah. Is there a motion to adjourn? <laughs> We learned a motion. Okay. Is there a second? Oh, I better write it down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All in favor? Okay.
Thank you so very much.